There we go. I was putting myself on the mute button. I didn't hit the record button. All right. Hello, everyone. Nice to see you. Uh, this is uh, Office Hours 25. Um, we have something shameful to admit, uh, which is we missed one. We missed a week. Uh, we did our office hours. Well, we did our office hours in person. It was beautiful. Everyone saw each other. It was the first, it's only the second time we've ever seen Nihal in person. So it's, yes. it's like, it just talk to this person every day. And yet you've never, you know, you barely ever spend any time in person. And uh, the idea was that we were going to do an in-person office hours recording. We got too excited. We're limited in time. We're like, we got some planning to do. And so we did some offline stuff, which was, which was great. But uh, we were sad about this. So we're sort of trying to make up for today. But today is, again, office hours 25, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, a little bit after that now. So let's go up with the hands, and then we'll, uh, we'll get yeah. started there. Okay, easy five. Yes. Right. Joined by the wonderful guest. Right. Surprise. Justin Pinkston. Nice to see you, sir. It's been too long. Uh, yeah, so good to see you. It's been yeah. a while. Let's, uh, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll give you some time here. Um, and then I think there's some interesting topics that you'll be, you know, you'll be pretty, pretty pumped about here as well. I guess anything off the top from anyone though, before we start, maybe, um, you are the quick, introduction yeah, quick intro. Tyler, um, uh, very interested language, visualizing language, um, trying to extract meaning from it, tell, tell stories from data, uh, spending a lot of time on these things right now, excited about everything going on, just released a quarterly update. And that always drives a bunch of really interesting things out of it. So I'm sort of reeling from the the opportunities and the fun stuff that comes from that. And glad to be here today. I didn't shower today. I'm not. I have not showered. So uh, I'm sorry if you can smell uh -oh. the screen or something. Yeah. Let <laughs> someone else go ahead. I can jump in, I guess. I'm Lauren. I'm the accountant here. I like to play with numbers and play with words and figure out some data, make it look pretty, hopefully. And uh, yeah, just glad to be here and chat. And it's great to see Justin. I haven't seen him in feels like months. Yeah, it's been a while. Good to see you, Lauren. Justin, you're talking right now. So maybe a little intro from your point. Yeah, sure. So I'm uh, Justin Finkelstein. I've got a company called uh, Ideas to Reality. Uh, very just passionate about uh, using subconscious minds and um, using communities to get work done. So anything uh, inside us, you know, speaking is the most natural way to be able to communicate, to be able to extract insights from that has been a passion uh, of mine for a while. I don't know about you, Justin, but sometimes like, you know, three months have passed or so since you were last on here, maybe. And it's like, are you the same person? You know, do you introduce yourself differently? Do you talk about your passions differently? Like, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I feel like you're a shapeshifter who evolves every day, and that's a, a wonderful thing. But uh, a lot of cool mm, things I appreciate that stay that. the same. Yeah, I appreciate um, that. And then, uh, you know, just one last part, Lauren and Nihal have slowly realized that they continue to talk at the same time. And today was clean. Uh, Lauren went first, Nihal got <laughs> So maybe Nihal, uh, take a moment to say hi. Yeah, intentionally delayed. <laughs> delayed it just to see what would happen. Um, so I am Neil, a digital strategist, marketer, writer here at Speak. Uh, currently uh, focused on helping tolerate with some, some proofreading and brainstorming, uh, you know, we're in the, in the thick of uh, fundraising, which is, which is fun, uh, but always like uh, nervous time. Uh, yeah, and uh, excited to, to restart our office hours today. <laughs> Soft reset. Uh, all right. Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Watsala, CTO at SpeakAI. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a little break in between the office hour. I missed also the couple of last office hours, probably 23rd, 4th, uh, while working on a couple of things. And uh, yeah, I just came back from a, a pretty 
uh, after a long time uh, break uh, from the speak AI uh, and went to the Vancouver. Uh, yeah, uh, sometimes you feel that you feel that you are right about so many things and you end up on the other side and you realize that, okay, uh, you know, this is not what it is. So uh, a lot of realizations, uh, uh, a clear vision about what I personally, what also at Speak we want to do and having that confidence about what we are doing and why we are doing uh, brings a lot of value. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. And uh, again, uh, welcome Justina for a very long time. I just asked Tyler to be honest, uh, a couple of days ago, right? It's like, you heard from Justin, how he's doing. Uh, so very nice to see you. I guess there, there was, uh, there's there two different, there's two different sort of vacations that happened, Justin, and I don't know how much you would relate to this, which was, uh, that's a wonderful vacation, went on Vancouver, and, and deservedly so, basically went, and he, uh, you know, just took the time to enjoy ourselves, so our rule was like, don't message Vatsal, basically, just let him have some time, get some clarity, <laughs> enjoy that time, and then my, I went sort of on vacation to the cottage, but the, the, the curse or the plight of that cottage is that it has wonderful data and Wi-Fi connection. And so I just mm. couldn't tear myself away from calls or, you know, anything. So I got like that sort of semi half vacation, um, which, you know, it's when you love what you do, it's not a bad thing. Um, but yeah. I think at some point, the value of what Vatsal did, where you sort of disconnect completely, you have that mind, you know, that mental energy and space uh, produces a lot of value. The last time I did that, I went to Burning Man for like 12 days and I came back a Tyler 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> it actually brings more value it, it, it adds yeah. more value and like helps you uh in many ways yeah and i, I guess justin you're a, a welcome guest here if anything you know an update for anyone who has watched office hours along the way and like say hey, this is a recurring character who stars on this tv show um and always enjoy the presence anything from your side or i guess you know uh macro trends of what you're seeing right now yeah i just would love to hear some some insights from justin um yeah, I guess, I mean, from a macro perspective, I'm still super interested in uh, the creator coins and being able to create, you know, um, uh, smaller economies um, with the coins. My big thing over the last, I've, I've gone um, a little bit underground, I guess, the last couple of months, I've been working on implementing the, you know, the art of impossible, the full system. So having everything captured, because one of the distractions with having so much, or one of the Frustrations with having so much data is uh, being able to use it to be able to contextualize that. So I feel like I spent the last couple of months just being able to capture all personal data, I'm getting very interested in longevity. Um, and then also uh, in the in the near future, very interested again in um, the interaction between large corporations and, um, and 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 startups and how they are to interact. Um, I just got a podcast, which I haven't seen yet. Um, this is pretty bad that I gotta look this up, but it is about, oh, it's called Corporate Jamming, um, about taking the best of startups and large corporations. So somebody just sent me the link for it. Um, I think those are the big ones. And then just really enjoying summer, um, you know, paying attention to having an 11 year old who is on the precipice of being a teenager and kind of enjoying these last, you know, couple years of pre-teenage, you know, years. And uh, so we've been doing a lot of the uh, theme park stuff and, you know, water parks and all that good stuff. You seem very active. I mean, every time I talked to you before, you were on the top of a mountain uh, skiing or like snowboarding. So I switched <laughs> to, to summertime activities, but uh, okay. That's great to hear. Um, I know I miss, 
you know, you like you sort of maybe even have, I have maybe some parallels with you, which is like buzzes of activity and then sort of the hibernation period of like focus internally and then come back out with too much energy. You know, that the, just sort of the cycle of like, yes. just, uh, yeah. <laughs> one thing that we're, you know, basically, you know, I'd love to hear some insights from you, but just from the whole team, which is one of the companies that we're working with right now, they're growing, growing company. And one of the things they're really trying to promote right now is a podcast. And it's not just like a, not just like a, um, uh, a low budget kind of, you know, small little podcast. They've hired a professional, you know, sort of um, moderator in it. They're getting very legitimate uh, people to come through themed episodes with great sort of, um, you know, uh, artistic direction on the audio, but then also the messaging. And so one of the big drives is to promote that. And, you know, with that, you know, brand awareness, but then what we're also trying to help is some of the things that we've talked about in the past, which is, you know, how do we increase search engine rankings and sort of do this all at once. But one of the things that we're trying to figure out, Justin, and we'll talk about this a little bit, which is this idea of like templated, this idea of like templated outputs. And one of the things we're really interested in right now, we came across this thing called like all in one, uh, maybe Nihal, you know, the exact one, all in one podcast sort of stats. And they were looking at Jason Kalkanakis and the team in their podcast. And they did like these visualizations of like sort of like talk time, airtime, who's speaking the most. And it's pretty interesting. They've built up a little community there, a thousand people on Twitter, but the people who are on that podcast are really engaged in following the stats after. It's like, who's had the longest monologue that that episode? And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's, and they've got little, little infographics basically. And so the thing that we're trying to figure out here with Speak is like, how can we create sort of these compelling, beautiful outputs at the end point? So how can we take the raw information in, but then start to produce something valuable? And specifically through the lens of podcast, we're trying to figure out like what things would be interesting to visualize or to see represented in a podcast that then we could be sharing as sort of like data shareable assets after that sort of like tell a story through data or give highlights of the thing. So I'm not sure if you have any, anyone can jump on this, but this is something we're trying to crack right now is like this sort of like podcast visualization and how we do that nicely. And then that can convert over to a bunch of different other things too. Hmm. I definitely have some thoughts on this, but I'll, uh, do you want me to jump in on it? You look like you're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So, so a couple of other things, um, the they just did the like the friends reunion which you guys are probably too young to really like but it was uh, a really um i i wasn't that big of a fan of the show but i liked the reunion and it kind of brought me back to a time and they're saying like friends was about that time i'm I'm going somewhere with this that time when your friends are your family and i think that is i've never listened to the what they're called the besties i've never listened to any of their stuff but they're they're sort of that like that on there, your entrepreneur friends for, or your, you know, in some cases, your billionaire friends um, for this period. So they've got a special thing that is going. Um, and so I guess the, the, now, if there's some relationship and you're interested in that, in their characters, even though they're human beings, um, if you're interested in the characters with the podcast and then what aspects of those characters can be measured. So that's what I would start there. But I would I would start human. Um, and then also, uh, I think for the podcast right now, it's community based, right? It's got you got to have at least, you know, one person who's super interested in what what's going on and what they're doing, that's going to bring other people, even if it's a small community of people that really care about uh, what somebody's doing, that's another factor. So I would so I would go human element first, and then on the human side, you'll start bringing out the data people 
Do you know what I'm saying? You know, but I think that's, that's, it's not unique for their podcast, but it makes sense for their podcast. that they talk about, you know, you know, because of the, the personal relationship and not just like the push of the data. One thing then again, feel, I don't want to hog this conversation times, but there's like one thing that we found, you know, sort of, you know, different systems doing it, but a lot of things that people default to is sort of that like word cloud visualization. And sometimes, mm -hmm. especially on an individual file or across multiple files, we find that to be, I would say meaningful to the person who has created that, but abstract to the people who have not been part of that conversation or who hadn't listened to yeah. it. So to just see a word cloud is great. This is a sort of cool representation, but I am out of context here. And so how, you know, one of the challenges with data and with analytics is, yeah, how can you tell a meaningful story that's compelling that brings someone who is, you know, outside of the loop into the, into the loop. And like, I, I would see that just in marketing, like, you know, I'm you know, helping with marketing stuff. And it's like, if I build a, you know, a Google data studio that shows reporting, these people are not the ones interfacing with the advertising every day. It's, you know, a COO or something who wants to come in and get a, a high level snapshot understand it and then take meaning from it without having to do the day-to-day -day interaction with this information every day. So we're also trying to think of, you know, how can we visualize this that breaks that context and is also beautiful so that that data is beautiful. Just one example we saw, that's, I'm not sure if you saw that image, the one Nihal shared, but it was like a word cloud, but it was in the shape mm -hmm. of a microphone or like in the shape of a person's mm -hmm. face that is the person who make the podcast or something. Like how can you sort of use the mathematical representation of the meaning, but then to create something more stunning or contextual, uh, just yeah, that's brainstorming. <laughs> something to think about. Question I, was, I was questioning to myself is like, is that the value or is that, uh, is, uh, is that the, the beautiful representations has the more uh, weightage on the output template? So, so what does that mean is like, okay, do we want to, display beautifully is that the one part or the another part is like how we can create more value not for the business but 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 also for the individuals who are working for the business it's like how we can create more values using those those templated versions so it's like what are the next step or what what will help them with those templated outputs where where does it go is that the representations of the just the data where they can see like the google data studio you export in the format and display it that's a one part or the process or they can take from from the templated output and do or take some actions for their business. Interesting. Like inherently, I believe there's value in things that are beautiful, but not necessarily practical business value. One of one of the things that Nihal, I believe you sent me the link was like uh, Gartner did the analysis of all the top hundred pot. Do you remember more on that? Do you have anything that you can add uh, uh, to that? So I believe the Gardner um, report was more them analyzing the past year's earning calls and visualizing that and basically using that to uh, visualize important moments from the earning calls that they did throughout the year. Uh, but, you, you know, to, to the point about good looks versus functionality. Uh, I feel like at least in this point in like a SaaS lifecycle or, it, you know, looking at most SaaS products out there, uh, we've had this discussion before where it's, yeah, it's great to have something that works really well, but if it doesn't like function or look nice enough for people to want to use it as well, th then, you know, it kind of defeats the purpose, um, especially if we're going for something like, you know, trying to generate a 
viral growth loop, uh, viral growth loop, for instance. Because sure, someone might generate it and keep it stored on their computer, but then it would be great to generate uh, outputs or templates that people are happy. You know, like it, it just fills them with so much joy that they they want the world to know. Um, and obviously, I think there's two separate elements there of uh, actually designing uh, the the structure and the engineering behind that. But you know, it, it becomes an interesting conversation about investment in aesthetics, almost, and uh, UX. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. we have a use case that's sort of emerging right now with a research team who did the 30 interviews, and now you know now they want to basically uh, sort of like a I would say Justin like a nonfiction like team, um, specifically doing some really cool stuff in a, a specific niche. But now they've done the 30 interviews, they've uploaded them all into Speak, and now this part comes to them to do the analysis part. But in the end, what they care about most, I feel like, is sort of like representations or compelling visualizations of the meaning that they got from those interviews so they can present it in a compelling manner. Because they're going to a, you know, a company presentation, it's going to end up probably not as good as the slide deck as nonfiction does, because those things are awesome, but like sort of a presentation thing. And it's like, if we're to give them, a, for example, a wonky word cloud, or like, uh, you know, a graph that just looks like shit. Uh, it, it's just not gonna make it. Uh, it's not gonna make that cut. Like our ideal, I hope, is that we can get into that final presentation. And it's like, this is a beautiful graph. This is a beautiful chart. And I can't help but not put it into the presentation because it makes that. Impact. Yeah. What, what comes to my mind originally is one quotes and you have the sentiment analysis. So you've got a real good shot at being able to get great quotes out of there. Um, even better if you get, I don't know, you probably can't get this, but the pictures of the people who have the quotes, um, mm. you, my guess is you're not going to be able to get that because it's anonymous, but that, you know, that would be nice to have. And then, and then the next thing I would say on top of that was a nice cartoon artist who's representing the character who's making the quote um and then also you know doing the thing i would go i would probably go in that direction um is but i think the quote's going to be the key thing that's going to resonate for people it's, uh, yeah and, and we've seen two ways of that which is pr promoting a quote in text format or then what we've heard sometimes is like we would actually like to be able to simply play back the quote mm you know, in that presentation, like not have to, you know, not obviously clicking around to find it, but like, you know, get to that slide. And it's like, you know, great. You can just talk about what people said, but if you heard from one of your customers or prospective customers or what, or someone who uses one of your competitors, this quote, and you hear it out loud and then say it, instead of it just being represented through text, there's a, you know, a big impact that can, that can be made there. So trying to figure out yeah, that whole system. And again, we've been talking about this for a long time and it's, you know, it's easier, I think, said than done. Um, but I think it's a continued mission to sort of refine the outputs that we can have here to make the system, you know, even more valuable and sort of solve the full process of where this, this needs to go. And whether that's shareable internally for the team or in a presentation or, oh, I want to share this on my, uh, you know, my LinkedIn post or my Instagram story or, or whatever. That Interesting. Is. So any, I guess, any last... Any last topics? Any last thoughts? I've got one more on. I got one more on it. There's a guy, uh, Colt Cabana, who was like the pioneer of pro wrestling podcasting. He's doing a show right now at, at, where it's um, it's people just call in and leave voicemail messages, and he leaves commentary. So um, you know that could be a you know a hey 
here's the three big lessons that we learned. Lesson one, boom, quotes. Lesson, you know, like like almost be it like a five minute audio message that's a guided tour will re could really be impactful. Um, I can't remember the name of his new podcast, but if you look at that, it'll kind of give you the sense where he talks between things and contextualize it. That could get super interesting and probably isn't going to be that tough to produce. Hmm. I see. I just have a last point about uh, just thinking from the engineering mindset is like, okay, that might, that let's say the first iteration doesn't look that beautiful or that have that charm uh, with the output, but if that creates the value that pushes us our boundary to to reach that with this beautiful layout and reach to the level that yeah it it really represents the value itself. So it is in, in my thought with the engineering minds, it's more about creating the value with the first hit. And then once you get that hit, like then try to retrade the versions with the representing beautifully. I mean, if you see any of this website, you are any layout, any any SaaS product, right? That that goes that way. It's like once you create hit the level and then try to recreate the versions uh, and like yeah, have, have, have better, uh, you know, uh, visualizations persons or have that expertise and let them to do their best job. One, one, one thing that is also like, emer like I, I guess our sort of, our, for example, our visualization, uh, you know, our hope is not too abstract or too imaginative. Like I think there is value that we can produce, but then we've seen another path of value that we've been asked for. And one of them is a bigger customer that's on board and they're putting a ton of audio and video recordings in the system. And it's actually used in a more sort of clinical context. Uh, and so what's happening is they're grabbing these recordings and the final output that they need to make is a, it's called a, like a SOAP assessment, subjective objective assessment plan. So like Justin, maybe, I thought maybe you've had the experience, but like when you run through, I didn't realize this until I figured this out, but like when you go to a doctor or visit, whatever, they're running you through this. How do you feel? And then they do the, you know, the objective measures, heartbeat and all that. And then, you know, they make an assessment and then they make the plan for like the next steps. And that's the full structure that therapists are taught, physicians are taught, like everyone's sort of taught this. And so the really interesting part here is that this team is creating a SOAP assessment at the end for their customers. And they're using our system to do that. And right now they're taking a transcript, but you know, ideally what's possible here, and this needs some serious mapping out, which is like, based off what's being said, you know, keywords or phrases as a very simplistic understanding of representing it, like figuring this out or a more advanced sort of natural language processing understanding, we could help structure the output document to be that SOAP assessment. And if we, instead of just giving them the raw transcript in the Word doc, we could give them the structure with bullet points and say we were even to hit 75% accuracy, even maybe lower than that, you could probably have a, a pretty significant reduction in time to produce the final SOAP assessment. So that's sort of like, I think there's a huge value add there beyond sort of the visualization part, which is maybe even more measurable. And just a little bit more in that marketing domain idea of this is like, what about like this idea of like podcast show notes? How could we automate that process and structure? And one of the examples that we looked at was like Tim Ferriss's podcast where it's like, you know, it's, it's um, you know, basically he's got the description at with the, so the summary, like topics with the timestamps, which we're getting closer and closer to be able to do. And then it's, for example, people mentioned, and literally the people mentioned is just links to those people's Twitter profiles or Wikipedia. And basically it creates this like really contextual link-based page at the end that then can help you interact with that data or turn what was, you know, a pretty large amount of information and make it a little bit more digestible and, and stuff. So like, I think 
is something that we're realizing this pattern is a lot of people coming with transcripts or audio files or even other systems that are doing transcription only. But the question we get over and over is just like, now what? Like, what do we do? Or how can we sort of make this thing even more valuable? And so really trying to spend a lot of time there lately. Yep. I, I, Tara, I see from that point is like, I see also moving forward, the speak will have like, I don't know, everyone, I believe everyone have used the Zapier, sort of a Zapier integrations is like on and off. So on the speak, you can turn on and off the different template versions. It's like you choose the you choose the category, let's say the, the medical or the marketing or the research, and you will have the different templates. And like, if you turn on, you will have the output into the different format. It's, it's a whole a whole different challenge, but I hope you are getting the whole reason. And it's like what I'm looking at is like having those category and the templated versions ready-made for you like a Zapier, and you just turn on and off what are the formats you are expecting in output. That would be mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, Even Lauren said it, like Lauren was like, we look at Google Docs as like a structure for meeting notes, right? And like you writing into that structure, but you know, like literally at the top, oh, oh shit, I'm doing, Nihal, I'm doing you, I'm hitting them. <laughs> <laughs> like there's like Google Docs at the top of it is like the structure is one click import. Notion's obviously done it. You know, like what we've talked about a little bit lately is just like the power of companies that have built templates for people because inherently you're saving time, you're creating a repeatable process. And we've already got, for example, the piece, pieces that are like brand generated. So like just insert your logo into that doc. If you, you know, at the next level is like, hey, what, what font do you want? You have, if for any, you know, uh, things that are highlighted, what's the font, the brand color that you want? And it becomes this very polished output that saves like a significant amount of time. And then again, ideally we get to the point where it's like, this is ready. After a meeting or after a webinar, you literally have a PDF that you could send that's beautifully formatted that is a meeting mm -hmm. note or a podcast show note or a webinar post wrap up summary that's already ready. So uh, I, I don't know, it excites me too much. I'm trying to calm myself down about it because I just think it's, 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 the thing we bumped in over and over again is like, you know, Tyler Vax was a bunch of insights in the panels, but like, how does this help me? How does this help the business? How does this, what does this do? And I think this is where we can say, here's what this does and finally get to that, that solution that we, we see as valuable. Hmm. Uh, a couple of things come to mind. The closest I've ever come to uh, minutes on the back of a meeting was, was with Slido, but you're you're actually doing surveys and you can structure the questions, you know, to to you know for the output on on the back end. Um, I really like what Vatsa was saying about the turn on, turn off. Like in the health, you know, I was like, are we heading down a mental health issue? Let's just let's turn on that template and see. I don't know where we're going, but there's early signs that we're heading in that you know that direction. Um, and then a um, where else was I? Yeah, I think those are the two things. Um, Another company that I've been working with is talk.social, which is doing like uh, templated social events. Uh, yeah, that's probably not the best way to put it, but they're, you know, they want to be able to, you know, they call it like social lubricant, how to build relationships with people very quickly. Um, the advantage that you have is you just have so much more data than any of these other uh, types, you know, than Slido has, because that's just, that's limited to what people actually type in. Um, but the disadvantage is, it's not structured, uh, you know, nearly, you know, so that's, yeah, that's not structured either. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I got a little too excited there. So I'll then try to calm myself down. <laughs> the Lauren, we did have some, um, I guess, sort of thematic consistency with what we want to talk about with topics. 
while we're on this templated part, just before we, you know, veer off, is there anything that you wanted to add or specifically we're thinking from your end that adds some, uh, I guess, some context to this or what you were thinking? Uh, well, you already kind of brought it up anyways. I was just curious about like what the actual process of uh, like auto-populating a form would be. Um, like, I guess they already are, you know, just taking the transcript and uh, picking out the actual sentences that they want to carry over into the form. But um, I'm just curious about how you think the actual operation of, you know, they just uplo upload a form and they don't even want to actually have to fill out the form. They just want the, you know, the transcript to automatically, you know, auto-populate uh, over into the form. So I'm just curious about if that's even something that you'd be interested in doing, uh, what the process of that would be like if you're doing like, I don't know, like hotkeys, just trying to reduce the amount of buttons you have to click or maybe training an actual uh, machine learning uh, algorithm to be able to pick out, you know, where, you know, what the customer intends to be taking out of the, uh, the actual transcription there. And um, whether or not it's even like, you know, worth the effort too, because it's like, if in the time that it takes, like go back to the SOAP assessment and the time that it takes for a, a doctor or a therapist to run through uh, the SOAP assessment manually. And it's actually quicker to do that than to actually have to fumble with uh, technology that's not 100% optimized. Um, is it even like worth going down that path? Uh, so yeah, just a couple of thoughts there. Awesome, Lauren. Um, uh, good question, Lauren. Uh, quickly, I'll just say the, the, the function, the way that I see this functionality, because Mio and I were talking about this yesterday, is that it's not, you don't necessarily interact with the final output directly in the app. You would edit the transcript and then you would hit sort of this like export to SOAP assessment. And that would become a Word doc with the built structure. And then this like, and then it sort of automatically categorized and structured into that, into the template that they're looking at for this example, the SOAP assessment. And so what we're seeing the current system uses right now is that they're editing the transcript to make it basically 100% themselves. They're doing that manually within the system. And then they are then exporting to the Word doc and then, then reformatting that Word doc into the SOAP assessment. So I think we're actually, as long as they have a clean transcript, we should with a decent amount of accuracy be able to make that transfer. And then it might just be a quick review. I mean, again, this is, there's there's lots of breakdowns in my logic of on that entire thing. And like, I'm sure Vatsal has some technology limitations that he <laughs> would like to bring wow. up here. But overall, I see it as actually being a pretty intuitive process that again, even if you get the 65% process and the structure is there already, if they give us the structure they want and we can land it in that in a, in a nice way with pretty high accuracy, that's, that's a valuable ad. And we've been asked about it. This isn't just us making this up. We've actually been asked to do this by customers. So that's always a nice indicator that uh, we're not making it up from <laughs> complete imagination. And also like on the operational side, that's the whole different story. Uh, then when you lay out the user story is like, what is the objective? But when you go to the, on the operation side, on the execution side, it has its own challenges in many ways. It's like how many softwares we know which are exist already in the in the market how many of them they are using how many clinics we personally talk with them how what is the process look like how they want to execute it right and it's like how the software fulfills those requirements it is not about software does this way so you manage your workflow but it's like sort of a in the middle ground is like well, this is your workflow we are trying to reduce this way does that helpful and how we can reiterate those versions 
So yeah, I mean, on the theoretical side, on the when you create the user story, it's like this is what are the expected outcomes. It has its own way to represent, but when it's good on the execution side, it has the whole different story on managing, let's say, okay, when we create the SOAP assessment, what is the validations or how we measure that, that is it accurate? Or are we putting the subjective in the objective and objective part in the subjective? And says so like, how, how are you gonna validate those things? So yeah, it has its own beauty and the challenges to talk about, uh, but it's more about uh, what and what do we want to achieve and why do we want to achieve with the existing softwares in the market? So that's the angle uh, I would take it. And, and I, I would have a lot I of- there's like a whole lot of uh, extra workflow that goes into if you're just focusing on like one specific assessment. Um, like if you're just, the end goal here is just to get the SOAP assessment figured out, but maybe you're jumping into it a bit too quickly because you're just trying to focus on like one, um, you know, one template out of you know, thousands that customers could temp uh, potentially want. Um, so maybe it's a matter of looking at the tech from a very you know wide open face of I need this to get done for any possible template or uh, form that gets put up here as opposed to just this one form for this one very specific task for this one very specific market. Um, yeah. I, th I think that's how innovation works though is this sort of iterative process. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you figure out one template, then you're building the pipeline to build another template. And then you just sort of listen to customers and prioritize and, you know, again, to keep with the, this, I guess, the SOPA says an example, like, I think very quickly, like, Vatel made a good point of, like, what if you put uh, the objective and the subjective? And, like, you know, I guess ideally for us, it's, like, closing that loop of, like, why that is happening as quickly as possible. Got so right. it's, like, this didn't work. Okay, give us the document. Um, okay, okay, this, oh, this makes sense. This word or phrase or, or triggered this to go into that. And now we can do that. So the iteration could happen very quickly as long as we build the feedback loop. Feedback loop. Yeah. Right. So, and that's exciting. Like that's really, that's where I think true, I'm almost swore, uh, like true, true innovation happens and you make progress with it. And it's like, you got a really nice comment from a, uh, a, a guy who I have a lot of respect for in business uh, a few days ago. And he was just like, the only way that you could get to some of these things it's to have spent so much time building this and then like understanding the technical challenges and then the opportunities here and that was just a nice moment because sometimes it's like we spent so long building the foundation of speak but you're not just building the tech you're also building the expertise and knowledge to then execute more efficiently on the things that we're getting towards now so just a nice thing because sometimes like wow we've been <laughs> this has been a long time <laughs> but uh that there's that, that that was a really nice thing so um Anyone, Basil, Justin, anyone have any other thoughts on this idea, I guess, of the templates part? Uh, I'll just add quickly here then, from my perspective, we have a whole list of, we've just been, did the brain dump on templates. I'm not gonna re reveal them now because that's just too many, but just a couple of things that I just thought were like, what, what were the companies that did drive this? So like one of them, like just like have a couple of companies like Canva, uh, like Google, Google Data Studio templates. Uh, one of the big ones that, came across for marketers back in the day was like, even for like Divi websites builders on WordPress or Elementor page builders, or like there was like unbounce or lead pages. And it was like one click page import. And the amount of time that that would save, like both in execution, but then also I would find like cognitive or like cognitive load, you know, to build something from scratch 
is a huge endeavor, but to have like the structure that's pre-built and like on, on lead pages, it was like, these are conversion ready pages. We're, we've seen these deployed in the market and we're messaging the conversion rate. If you want a page that converts at 25%, one click import. So like that, that was an amazing sort of piece that, that came out of it. Um, I think there's lots of too much room for innovation here and too much, we won't dive any deeper. Uh, I guess I'll introduce anyone else who wants to bring something up or has something to talk about. No, it's just one thing I just lastly want to add is like, the, I mean, I personally also find challenges uh, because if we, if we spread too wide, we're talking about it's like okay what market are you trying to focus on is that the, is that okay the importing the dv or the theme that is the best example to represent that soap assessment or the another other marketing related templates which like where, where you are going towards or what market you are focusing on it's like who are those users why are they going to use it so i mean those are the good questions but also then it's create the more challenges uh while also doing the innovation so yeah, it's just sort of a counterpoint is like, okay, then it's like, okay, where are exactly we're looking at is like, wh where are we going towards? So yeah, if anyone has thoughts, it's like. Well, yeah. Hmm. Uh, to key off, I think key off what Vashel just shared, I think what Tyler shared before, it's, um, you, you know, you, you, put, you put cognitive load in as a, as, as a statement. I'm, I'm wondering if cognitive load is going to start replacing time, you know, as far as, what we want to measure and you know going the art of impossible i think you know, measure like flow state is like 104 percent of your capacity and that's just you know like it's a little bit above what you can actually do um it's not too challenging where it's too much and and i and i think that's that's i've been hearing myself use cognitive load um quite a bit recently as far as the 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 measure and I think that's actually probably something that can be physically measured as well I, I go back you know I, I, I see your aura ring every time and I'm, I keep on going back and forth and deciding on that but um um yeah and so I think I think that's going to start to dictate like what gives people an experience of like I can breathe now or I don't have to worry about this say one product that we've seen this grow because of this, I actually never really thought of that, but is this like the copy AI or the conversion AI or these companies that are using the GPT-3 to generate basically ad variations of ads or blog posts or things, basically sometimes just the starting point. But like yeah. sometimes as a writer or like you have an ad campaign to do, you're just like, this is a nightmare. I have to build this thing from scratch. And to drop in a couple bullet points and then get 50 variations that are all pretty decent that then you can just generate the ideas off to get to the final output. Sometimes you don't even need that. You can literally just take the final output that that produced for you is a, when we talk about the age that we're in of like knowledge work and a lot of the work that's being done being like highly complex mental activities that can only be sustained for so long, uh, there is a huge value in, in that reduction. So that's interesting. I just, I've never really thought of that. So thank you, Justin. Uh, yeah, and it's, I mean, GPT-3 is like, I think it's the new, like the definition there is like, it's good enough automated. And it's the first thing that is, just, you know, it's not great. It's not world-class, but it's it's good enough that you can be like, oh, I don't have to spend, like, I could ship this, like, you know, on my worst day. It's so great. That's it. A lot of us are, I mean, a lot of us get tired and we're like, this is good enough. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and you just sort of, just sort of ship it, right? So... Uh, it's, so, it's so interesting thing that I want to think about is like, okay, we are trying to solve the problem with the technology, 
but at the same point we always try to exclude ourselves from the technologies like nihal also said in the morning is like he had never thought the internet went down is like never thought is like how much time he had personally also and also is like you know when you cut off from from the technology is like you feel so much different than who you are so it's like sort of a balance is like okay we want to solve everything with the technology but at the same time as a human elements like we want to exclude ourselves or take a you know break from from the technology is like interesting angle to see that Well, we did a we did a frustration talk. Uh, it was also just on our on our quarterly sort of get together. It was it, it, we're going to do more strategic planning, but it was just like you know what? Let's just talk about uh, everything that makes us frustrated. And a lot of time, what's nice again is we don't have a selfish group, so a lot of the frustrations center around serving our customers better too. And like a lot of it, but then there was some of it was like this is personal to me. But one of the things that kept coming up was like it's the repeatable things over and over again that feel like. I could do this with sort of my eyes closed that that creates a lot of frustration. You know what I mean? Mm. Like uh and 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 if you can remove that to just focus on the higher level activities or finish, you know, if you can take something through technology to 60 to 80% and then you just have to finish the task using the you know the higher level functioning of a human brain, then we then that's wonderful. If every single activity that you're doing you're reducing 60% of that, like what a what a I would be happy with that. So, uh, um, uh, yeah, I got nothing else to add there. I just this is uh, this has been very interesting little uh, breakthrough for me on the call here. Nihal, quiet, sir. What's up, buddy? How are you feeling? Oh, I'm I'm good. I mean, uh, I guess are we moving on? Because I I did want to talk about uh, like Lauren's point about the value of accelerators. Because okay. you know I've I've never had the chance to like go through one, and but you guys yeah. have, so it, it would be interesting to hear. um your experiences with that uh you know pros cons and you know whether we we do that again even all right <laughs> not sure who wants to start <laughs> just just for clarity you have um it's not it's a not at um at city there's a there's a there was a vent, there's a venture arm but it's not necessarily an accelerator like some companies have inbuilt accelerators at that companies do you have any <laughs> There there are there is one I'm not so familiar with it there's one out of Tel Aviv which is I don't it's it's um uh which is an accelerator um and then the venture arm is a little bit different that sits you know that the accelerator sits inside of the business we had a conversation about um doing that in New York I mean it was it was very rudimentary conversations a couple of years ago um So but yeah I, and I think the large corporate accelerators are very different than the um like the I guess Y Combinator right is the is the the Harvard is that how you'd put it of the or if they're the Harvard or the Walmart yeah, of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know but um uh yeah so they're a little bit different inside but there is some versions in in the company Lauren, do you have any I guess before we start if anyone, you know, we start talking about this anything that you wanted to get specifically out of out of this or your thoughts? You've I mean again being a little nice here, but like we've also you've actually been part of some of the accelerator experiences that we've had both positive and negative. Um so just wanted to make sure you get out what you want out of this topic. Yeah, for sure. Uh I really liked the few times that I went. I can't as embarrassing as it is, I can't really remember the one that was at Western. Was that like um I it was just called the Western Accelerator. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Propel. Right. <laughs> well, well Propel, Propel Entrepreneurship Center, but but it was Propel Entrepreneurship Center, but it was the Western Accelerator as part of the Propel. It was all confusing. Yeah, anyway, yeah so, it was a yeah. big of a mess. So I guess that makes sense why I couldn't quite remember. But I really liked it. There was great um, great advice given at least. But I feel like that's kind of the whole situation when it comes to accelerators. It's all just uh, advice. And uh, at our stage and um, and the company is right now i'm curious about like what kind of advice do we even uh need in this stage too um maybe when it comes to, like actually like financing and stuff like that we can uh definitely get some help there because it's our first round so it's all uh baby steps at the moment but um yeah i'm just curious about do you think that to a degree um we've moved beyond accelerators or if we are going to be going into accelerators again in the future is there um any like hesitation or is there going to be like some level of i know what i want and f the rest kind of thing is it um i'm just curious how you guys feel about them like i've i've gotten a lot out of them but i feel like um going forward it's kind of diminishing returns in a way I'm with you. I think I think there. Are, I mean, I would say that the different life cycles of a company, an accelerator can be like a make it or break it thing, or something that really allows you to live versus not live and become a company that has opportunity to grow. So, and and there's within that there's also accelerators at different stages of um, growth in a company. So, for example, I just at Lazaridis Institute, they have specific requirements about what stage you are at before you can become part of that program. So I forget, I guess 2 million in revenue or five. So they're actually servicing a different class. And like, we were lucky enough to interface with them a little last year, Lauren. And it was like, the companies in there were like, what, like at least 25 people. You know what I mean? The problems that they were talking about were very different problems than what we were necessarily yeah. facing at the time. And they had like <laughs> pretty large, like uh, innovation and like research um alliances it seemed like with a whole bunch of different companies like it didn't just seem like you know one motley crew of some startup it was some like a, it seemed like some sort of like university mixed with some sort of research firm over in some other european country they all come together for uh lazaritis so yes um maybe if yeah. we were getting more of a if we're finding some other you know research companies that we wanted to partner up with uh, that's a whole nother story i don't even think we've cracked open the cracked open the can of alliances and partnerships and mergers and all that jazz it's the time right like there are some like one of the a program like that is actually trying to connect you with um international like investment opportunities or international sales and customer opportunities how do you get barriers get past the barriers of selling in different countries and all and uh, there, there's always the good and then there's always the negative. One of the things I heard that's really interesting is like, it makes sense, like from an investor perspective, you actually don't want companies who are just going around in different accelerators because you want companies who just do it, you know, figure it out themselves. It's like, you know, uh, yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> so there's like that, I think sort of mindset that is. And of course there are these world-class accelerators like Y Combinator who, you know, almost any company, you know, would love to get in, especially in an early stage, but then at, I've also seen challenges at a later stage where because of the, the terms and evaluation of a program like that, um, it could actually have a negative impact if you've already had investors, or it could actually, even though it's going to increase your valuation quickly based through the period, it could actually classify you into a certain range and then set the valuation back that might not be what you truly would be valued at in a deal outside of that accelerator. So 
Um, and then, you know, there's other, like, there's so many accelerators popping out in the world right now. Like, I don't know that. So if you see them in your email, in like the success email, but we get them all the time. It's like, where are you from? <laughs> it's like, 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 are you really an accelerator? Like, you know, I don't know much about it, but I think it's become such a interesting thing that people want to do sometimes to truly help sometimes to get in very early at a, at a company with terms that maybe are not that good to the company, but can be very good to the accelerator if that becomes a win. Um, yeah, that's, I'm not sure if you have anything else. That, yeah, that, uh, you, you put a couple of things. I have three other elements. What I personally see after coming to Canada and going through the three accelerator program, one was at the Western, uh, the Propel, then we went through the Waterloo, and the third one was the DNZ. And it's like in my personal experience on the technical end, uh, maybe that's my personal point of view, but I didn't get that much, uh, you know, benefits out of the program because it is mostly about creating the business relationships or making the contact or all about the helping them in the, again, the finance or the legal side. So, I mean, it is, it is more about number one is like, why do you want to join the extra program? And it's like, at what stage are you in? Because if you know what you need to be done, I mean, it's like, then you can execute at your own, but if you stuck somewhere, there's, there's always someone to help you in the legal or finance process. But on the technical end, you will get, yes, of course, all the different perks in terms of the credits of the cloud platform and the, you know, the email marketing platform and stuff. So that is the one part of it that helps you in the early stage. But on the another end, uh, it is like, exactly, it's like, why do you want to join in the first place? What, what is the objective joining of the external program? And when do you want to join it? I think when it comes to like any sort of institute that you join up with, uh, you know, whether that's some sort of school like a university, whether that's a, an accelerator or even just like a company too, it's all a matter of like um, the relationships that you're building, the, uh, the community that you're joining up with. Um, like something that's really driving me towards like Y Combinator has just been all like the people, you know, working there and all the videos they put up. And it's like, when you associate yourself uh, with, you know, very successful, very motivated people, like that energy really rubs off on you too and really uh, um, adds some energy to you. So yeah, it's all about, um, like that's kind of the, the stereotype of university. If you're not going there to, uh, to socialize, to develop some sort of, you know, professional, but also like friendly uh, relationship, then you're probably not doing it right. It definitely helps to grow the company and also definitely on the marketing and sales side, right? Because you are you are in that environment talking with the people all the time. So that definitely helps. It's like even I don't care if you want to sell, but like even at the DMZ when we were there, you can you can feel the energy as soon as you enter in the door. It's like you, everyone is so focused, working on things. It's like even night, nine o'clock, ten o'clock, it's like still discussing about the business. So that's always motivates, at least personally, me. And it's like driving through the whole process. And you're different. You're interfacing with companies who are at similar stages, or, or you're, or you're either you're interfacing with companies at the same stage, companies yes. that maybe are slightly earlier, or companies that are farther ahead. And each one of those produces so much value. Like you know, you learn. Oh my God, this company. Like you just hear direct challenges, or then someone, you know, someone who needs a little help. Then you get to help out, and you can art articulate something that actually helps you too. So it just becomes this amazing ability to have like a community and then surrounded by this like i like the idea of like the growth mindset of like people who are the reason why they're in y combinator or dmz or any of these programs is because they're not thinking um in a limited way they're like i'm gonna take my company to be a billion dollar company 
and uh, and those are fun people to be around and maybe a little crazy sometimes, but that's also fun. Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, I've learned, a, I've learned a lot there. One other part that I would say, which is the dangerous part that I think comes in there the separation between this idea of incubators and accelerators is the programming that goes along with it. And, you know, for myself now at the stage that we're in the idea of, for example, there being mandatory three hour program every Tuesday from nine to 12 PM, that hurts me. You know what I mean? I think that's some of the most valuable time that I have. And if that program or that speaker or the, what it is not delivering true value, I'm gone. It's just not now at this, in the earlier stages, just you're soaking up knowledge, but now it's like, I could be messaging X, Y, and Z. I could be doing this. And you have to start realizing your own value of time and the impact that you can make in three hours of focus, uh, instead of doing something else. So, um, hope that answered. Is that yeah. good? Nihal, any other things on that? And then we'll, you're good. Uh, Justin, we have a couple minutes left. Anything else that you, you sort of came through, synthesized this conversation? I guess any ending parts, any wisdom from Justin? Anything else that you're thinking before we uh, close this up? Yeah, I, just, I, I enjoyed the you know the accelerator um, uh, conversation, and uh, I'm very interested. I, I got a sense of where kind of you're in the fundraising process. I think that's an exciting play, and I think I think the, really the the key indicator is the. Um, who's the lead investor, whether that's like the, the official lead investor or who's the person who's driving it, who's been there before. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Um, on a personal level, if there's any, anybody who sees this who's a Notion person, like I'm looking to do some automations in Notion um, um, on based on some tagging. Those are the, that's uh, been top of mind and uh, I just haven't connected with anybody on that one yet. So I just, it's always great to be back and always learn something on these office hours. Thanks for having me. I uh, know there's, there's, there's some Notion fans here in, in this room and then also watching. So I, I hope that they, uh, they reach out. Um, just, yeah, just quickly a couple of things on this fundraising part that are, are sort of interesting, which is, first of all, we just sent out this quarterly report and we had some good metrics. So that always having good metrics is always helpful <laughs> when you're going into that process. You know, that there was something really interesting. This is just something I learned from someone who's been much further along in this journey today, which is like, you know, I guess for one thing is that, you know, investors like everyone are, you know, we're all emotional people and we want to be, you know, we want to support people that we believe in. We want to support people that we care about. And we also get caught up in excitement. We get caught up in FOMO. You know, there's, so one of the, you know, one of the good lessons of this is like, how do you, how do you, when people are, people have a lot of leverage, you know, in an, an investor and investee relationship, there's companies that are accelerating at ridiculous speeds. And in that case, those companies have a lot of leverage in those conversations. And, you know, there's a bunch of investors who want to get on the train and they, you know, they, that creates a lot of power in that dynamic. When you don't have as much power in that, that dynamic based on the stage of your company, or, you know, you've got great metrics, but, you, you know, still not hyper growth or still, how do you also do that? And one of the interesting things that was recommended to me was uh, this idea of like um, basically like an indication of interest and then putting that at a specific timeline. I just thought this was such an interesting concept. I had never heard of this before, but it was basically, you know, talking to investors, you start to get some good signals that people are interested in contributing. But one of the things you never want to do, we've seen this with grants, we've seen this with customers, is like until the contract is closed or until the money is in the bank, that is not a done uh, deal. And so this indication of interest is basically um, a deadline that you put and say, hey, by this time, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you need to submit an indication of interest that you uh, want to contribute to this round. And we want to know the terms that it is. It's non-committal, but basically it's a preliminary term sheet 
And at that stage, then you can make that assessment and you pick whoever, you know, who, who, like you said, that lead investor is a huge signal to other investors or as you move forward, like where, what, where that should, you know, how successful your company is and what kind of trajectory it's on. So like, that was just something that really emerged for me and, and what they talked about. This is for anyone who's going through this process. This is not, this is, you know, I'm hoping to share, which is like what I'm learning along the way is like, you're not always optimizing for valuation. You're op optimizing for control of the company, how much that investor believes in you. If they're going to follow up in another round, what firms are they looking for? You know, there's, there's companies that take an investment because, but they're not in a good situation. And so they have to have a board meeting before they can approve expenses every single time. Or, you know, there's so many stipulations that can come out in this that, you know, ideally, what do you want to do? And what do all, I think, you know, especially like companies led by, you know, people like us who enjoy what we do. It's like, we just want to get back to work. We want to get back to building. We want to keep doing what we're doing because we love it. And that's why we're even exploring these opportunities and avenues. And so um, just a couple of lessons that I've learned along the way, I've got many more, hopefully the lessons at the end of this is like, it would be successful <laughs> lessons from a successful fundraise and not the, the lessons of, you know, here's a no, an unsuccessful fundraise. Either way though, it's lessons. And I'm, I'm proud of, you know, having the discussions that we're having and making this progress and learning a lot of great things along the way. So um, just, yeah, I'll keep updated on that, but I, uh, yeah, very exciting time, scary time, but, uh, you know, we've got something good here and excited to keep sharing that, uh, with everyone that was listening. Good. Okay. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining. Um, uh, Justin, ah, oh, awesome to see you, man. Really appreciate you, you coming here. I miss you so much. So I, it's just great to see your face and talk and, you know, not do it asynchron asynchronously, just, you know, do it, do it right here live. What a, what a, what a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, okay. Uh, anyone who tuned in, watch this, read it, love you so much. I uh, hope you have a good rest of the, the day and an awesome weekend. Cool. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Thanks everyone.